0: I do have a short message for you that that kicks off kind of the message of the next two to three weeks. The, The first Sunday of October is World Communion Sunday, and I had such a great time doing the baptism series with you a few weeks ago, I thought I would give two or three sermons on communion. Um, and the first message of this three part, uh, remember in baptism, I talked about all those things that we just talked about with this little baby, uh, talked about the fact that, that Christ claims us through baptism, that Christ brings order through baptism and that Christ lives within us through that, that water of baptism in our lives. Communion is the other sacrament that we celebrate. In other words, it's another sign When when we are going to lift up a cup at the beginning of October on World Communion Sunday, when we're going to have a loaf of bread here uh, on the plate, these are not simply symbols of something. These are signs that when when we interact with them, just as we did with water and this baby, when we interact with those signs, that is God being active in our lives. So I want to talk about Three things in the, next, uh, in the next three weeks leading up to World Communion Sunday. The first thing I want to talk about today is the table. Then next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the bread. And then finally, on, on the Sunday that we celebrate World Communion, I'm going to talk about the juice. But today, I want to talk about the table of the Lord. And I want to use the scripture that I gave you in your bulletin today. The, the people of God are wandering in the wilderness of sin. All right, that's the wilderness that they went into after they left Egypt. And they're in the middle of this wilderness. God has given them manna. God has given them water out of a rock. He's done all of these things for them in the wilderness. They complain, He delivers. And it's amazing that Psalm 78, verse 19, quotes for us. The people of God remember this in a song, in a hymn, the Psalms. And it quotes for us one of the things that they said in the middle of that wilderness. Can God prepare a table for us in the middle of the wilderness? It's a question. Can God set that table? It's the same thing that David's going to pray. This isn't a question of David. You know, everybody thinks David wrote the Psalms. Well, he did write a lot of the Psalms. But this... This wasn't a question. Can God make a table in the wilderness? No. David answers that question in his 23rd Psalm. Do you remember that? If you, if you pray that. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's straight from David's 23rd Psalm. He wrote that. He answers the question. Can God? And his answer to that is absolutely. David's wandering around wildernesses. And the question is, can God prepare a table uh, before me? David says, yeah, he can. Let me tell you that he can. So all of that begs the question, what's the table that we're asking God to prepare? What is that table? Well, I can tell you what a table has meant to me in life. My, what a blessing. I've got my brother in worship today. Chuck, have you ever been to worship with me before? This is the first time in my life that my brother, my biological brother, has ever been in worship with me. He and I grew up in a children's home. I got out. He didn't. And we remember what the table in the children's home was like. We lived on government cheese and government rations. They were kind of all set out, and everybody just kind of dove in, and the the biggest survived. If I hadn't had a big brother, I may not have eaten some (laughs) meals, but he made sure I got food. I was this little bitty thing for a lot of years. So I I remember the table in the children's home, and I remember what happened, and so does he, because he and I got out of the children's home at the same time um, into a family, The family was called the Meek family. And this was a family that had some resources and they had some wealth about them. And it wasn't until just a few weeks ago that we were laughing as we ate dinner together over in Columbus about things that we didn't know each of us had done at the meal table because they served exotic things like Brussels sprouts. You didn't see a Brussels sprout in the children's home there 's no way you saw a Brussels sprout in the children 's home, but they serve things like Brussels sprouts, and of course, you know what their rule was you had to you had to eat what was on your plate or you had to try they had all these rules and and you didn 't get up from the table. so they made the mistake with two children 's home boys, and neither of us knew the other was doing it of sitting in the trash can right by where we sat at the table and so you know what happened, man We took our plates and we scraped them off when nobody was looking and the Brussels sprouts went in the trash can and they found out, <laughs> and that wasn't good. He went back into the children's home, and I got the privilege of staying with that Meek family. And it made all the difference in the world, because the Meek family became the Allemeyer family, and the Allemeyer family gave me things in life, God bless them, that Chuck never got. And I've never forgotten Chuck that, I got my start in life because of you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for that. The table of the Lord. Let me tell you what I learned when I left the children's home where there were no rules about the table. You see, everybody owned the table in the children's home and it was the strongest person at the table that got to rule the table. And so I just assumed that tables were like that. And so I went out with the Meek family and we would go to people's homes for dinner, and my little hands would reach across and start grabbing things, or I would start asking for things, and I had to learn a whole new set of table manners with this family. Manners that most children learn as they're growing up, And, and you know what? It may be different, because table manners tend to be different. Uh, based on where you live and maybe even your social structure. Um, I have learned as an adult that there are certain social structures that honor the way you put food and the table together more than they honor what is on the table. Uh, In some of the years that I grew up, it wasn't did you like the way everything was set out on the table? It was, did you have enough to eat when you were at the table? But for some people, I go to dinner at their house and I I get this little bitty serving of something. Well, when I was growing up, you know, uh, dad or somebody would have said that was appetizer, all right? But because what some tables do is they say it's more important what it looks like, how it's presented. In some of our tables, it's, is there enough to eat here? If you came out of the the, uh, Great Depression, it was very important that at your table you had enough to eat. My point of this is, what are the rules of the table? What does it mean in our Christian faith when we say, everybody's welcome at the table? Well, I got to tell you, one of the things that I learned moving from the children's home out into family life was that whoever sets the table sets the rules. Whoever sets the table sets the rules. So, what is the responsibility of the person who sets the table? Well, the responsibility of the person that sets this table is to make sure that everybody's safe that comes to the table. This goes as far back as history. The table is sacred. If you come to my table, if you are invited to my table, or you can even make it to my table, I have an obligation to keep you safe. I have an obligation to not offend you. Because you are welcome at my table. So, when the Israelites are saying in the wilderness, can God make a table in the wilderness? What they're saying is, can God make a table for us a safe place where we aren't going to be offended? Where we aren't going to be abused? Where we can still hold our own view But we don't own the table. Do you know that that's one of the most challenging things we have in our current culture? Think about what family gatherings have become. When everybody thinks they have the right at the table to share their opinion. You don't. You don't. You know, there's a reason that in our political debates... Most of the politicians that debate don't have tables in front of them, they have podiums. You know where the table is? With the person that's asking the questions. And so the responsibility of the person that has the table is to make sure that both people are safe, that it's fair. That's why we set the table in front of the interviewer, because both of those politicians are supposed to respect the rules of the table. But that doesn't happen anymore. The debaters think they own the table, and they get to set the rules. That's not the way. The Lincoln-Douglas debates would have never happened under that set of rules. I want you to hear this as we approach World Communion Sunday. When we talk about the table of the Lord, this becomes on that Sunday morning, the table, God's table. He is going to set juice and bread before us. I'm going to buy it. But God's going to set it before us. And God gets to set the rules. And what does the Bible say the rules of God are? Number one, it means everybody's safe who makes their way to the table. It's why the United Methodist Church has what we call an open communion table. Anybody can come to it. Why? Because it's not our table. It's God's table and He gets to set the rules. And everybody's welcome at God's table. It's a sign. It's that which can lead you into relationship with Christ. And can God set the table in the middle of a wilderness? Yes, He can. Can He set the table in the middle of people that don't agree politically? Yes, He can. Can He set His table in the midst of people who are not right with Him? Yes, He can. And He invites all of us to come and be a part of His table. So, October 6th, World Communion Sunday. The idea of this table is Everybody gets to come. Everybody gets to be a part of what God is doing. And the answer is, yes. God can set a table in the middle of the greatest struggles we have in life, in our church, in our nation. God can and has set His table. Heavenly Father, I just pray as we approach uh, World Communion Sunday that That, Lord, you would place upon our hearts this desire to gather with each other at God's table, at your table. I pray, Lord, that we would understand that at this table, you are the host. And we are your guests. And, Lord, I ask that you might bless us as a people, as a church, as individuals. That in our relationship with you, we might be able to feel safe. We might be able to feel honored to be invited as guests to your table. All this we pray in your name. And amen. Please stand. I'd love to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God is good. And all the time. Go in peace. God bless and have a great week. And if you would come over here and and, uh, let everybody see grace as they're leaving.